Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the last episode of the X Bottom for the year 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is my co-host. Paul, hey everybody, how's it going? No fun intro for you, Paul. I already used all of them for this year. So. It, it's really impressive that you were able to pick a different one for just about every episode. Yeah, the fact that we recorded, we're recording so soon after the last one, I can't think of anything else other than just call you the the guy that's high on life. So. <laughs> Both for the game and in general. In general, especially like with all the moves that could potentially go your way very soon. So, out of it, Paul. The year's over. We're only we're only a few weeks now for the 2022 to have its curtain call. What a year, I tell you. I um I think we had a lengthy discussion on the topic, at least in games related stuff, uh maybe like a week or two ago, mm -hmm. but um just in general. What a crazy year, mm -hmm. and uh, one that I'm kind of glad to close the book on, and partly uh, still processing like a decade ago. Mm -hmm. So um, we got years slash decades worth of like big developments this year that yeah. it just felt so exhausting. And on top of like all of that happening with like a big drought of games in the big section of it, that I'm like. A lot of good stuff happened in 2022, but I'm just glad that we can just close the book and move into a new and hopefully less hectic year. And uh, now, like Paul, like it just as a as a general thought, like for you, when it comes to like 2022 in games in general, what do you think of like this year? Um, I just like what we kind of said. I think it was a pretty good year all in all. Mm -hmm. It's kind of uh, gets muted somewhat by the fact that many games that are coming out next year were supposed to come out this year mm -hmm. and uh that definitely puts a bit of a damper on my excitement and like oh what a great year 2022 was but at the mm -hmm. same time i feel like if you just started listing off some of these i mean the game awards mm -hmm. that we just did um that that's kind of a good indicator that in some areas at least we had a pretty nice year i would mm -hmm. say um with just a few exceptions but overall I'd say I'm pretty pleased with it, just not in the window of release. Yeah. Uh, I'm not appreciative. Yeah. Of if we're just if you're just gonna talk about like window of release, this year was a disaster. Like oh, it like absolutely just thinking about how long we went without anything really, like anything notable, having enough time for me to go through so much of my backlog. That that just tells me that 2022 was not a year of real excitement about what was coming next. However, when the big games hit, they hit well problem was that they hit way too early in the year and then we had to wait way too late for them to like have a big impact that when you read the list of games that came out some of the best games of all time you could argue came out this year but the thing is that when you remember being in the trenches and having and having to live through month after month after, after month of repetitive news and thinking everything was going to be delayed and things getting delayed and forgetting that there was a big anxiety happening like within gaming community, a general sense of malaise towards the medium in general, that then everyone everyone became so critical about literally everything because it had that general like pent up frustration of nothing happening that is it's now like kind of like cautioned a little bit now knowing that then when the big games did hit, they were really great. Though there were a lot of games this year that turned out to be more mid than you would have probably expected going in, at least just in general... Uh, Kind of like like what was expected of some of them, and of course we got big ones that when everyone was like the the game of the year battle is gonna be intense this year, a bunch of those got pushed. So, so overall I feel like uh, 
it's it was like a ten out of ten quality year in games and a five and a five out of ten, uh, if not lower in release cadence. If you average it out, I'm kind of in agreement with you. It was a good year. However, I would say like it was also a very interesting year for each uh, each of the platform holders because sometimes what you see in the page doesn't kind of like vibe with like uh, how it was seen. Like those platform holders were actually seen in the in in actuality for the year, and I definitely want to talk about that. So, and let's not beat around the bush. Like let's start let's start with the company that we played most of our games on that console, the PlayStation. So. 2022, it's like a really strange year for PlayStation. It's like, in one hand, I feel it's also kind of like deterministic of the kind of year they had because on paper, what a great year they had. Just yep. in like releases. Just I'm going to read some of the notable games that PlayStation released this year. Uh, it, it kicked us off with the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection, which obviously is just a re-release of the Uncharted games with like the, the, the 60 frames patch and all that. But it was like a... For people that are still that don't have a problem with the paying the upgrade fee, that was like ten bucks if you own the games. They looked really nice on PS5, and to me personally, that was the collection that finally made me love Uncharted 5 as a game more than just a story because I like how it played with the uh, with the frame rate. Then we got Sifu. That was uh, like probably that was actually our first big game for the year when we created this arrangement uh, with the combined account where we we're gonna be like splitting uh splitting price and all that that was our, our first like big game and that was a sony exclusive and that was an interesting one although very hard game then obviously my most excited one coming into the year horizon forbidden west finally like released and i thought it was the uh the a, a great sequel like what i was expecting it as that it had all the potential to be better than the original and i think it for the most part it was with the exception of story that i feel like the story kind of like left in an incomplete note and it didn't feel as emotionally uh, satisfying as like the original one. Gran Turismo 7 we didn't play because it's a car racing game, but that was like a big racer, but that was mired a little bit in a microtransaction fiasco early on and like and it's always online nature, but they fixed it up like relatively quick and then it just kind of coast sailed from there. Uh, then Ghostwire Tokyo was one that uh, we bought on a sale. We didn't like because we were beginning overwhelmed with a bunch of stuff that would we were buying around that time, not just exclusive, but also multi-platform. That then when that one hit sale relatively quick, I was like, yeah, let's try it. Then uh, Stray was the one that I, I tried with the PS Plus Extra that we're definitely going to talk later in the show. Nice distraction. Then Last of Us Part 1, like the, rem the, the remake of that legendary first game. And then obviously we capped off the year with God of War Ragnarok. So when you look at that list, I think this is pretty great. Like, do you have anything to say about those? Um, only that I'm glad that Uncharted finally got its 60 frames per second um, update uh, following up with the uh, the Nathan Drake collection, I think is what it was called. Yeah, that had 60 frames. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, just, just like you said, really, like all of these are either underrated at the lowest end or like legit good, um, I would say overall. I don't think any of these would go under really my uh my scrutiny without saying oh yeah that's a good game even mm -hmm. if my personal preference might go a different direction so it's just like you said the release uh the releases themselves are fantastic and i wish you could argue this was out. one of playstation's best like release calendars like just in high quality so. in, in high quality um they just really brought the fire with a lot of these really branching out in a lot of different directions <clears throat> excuse me but all of actually 
yeah, different genres, but all of them being a really good single player experience, except maybe like Gran Turismo that's got some online, online stuff. stuff. But you can do a lot of that stuff solo. That's like the big thing with Gran Turismo that the, all the challenges that you do. Hey, there's speaking there of stray. There's he a stray. <laughs> the back of my chair. No. Anyway. But uh, but yeah, it's like just just on paper, what a great year of releases PlayStation had. However, what a horrible year they also had in optics. Okay. Like, their behavior around a certain acquisition, we're definitely going to talk about a little bit later, that almost, I felt, it was like the sort of Damocles of this entire year when it came to news. Always, like, ever-present, so exhausting. And the way that they were acting about it, on top of, like, doing moves like, oh, yeah, we're raising the price of our console for the first time in our history in all the markets that we're winning on, except North America, because we can we're going to blame it on inflation, but if you're really blaming it on inflation, that, that price would have gone up also in the U.S., but they didn't put it, they didn't raise the price, so you know that they were being like, they, they were like, now nah, we're winning, like, people are on our side, they're definitely going to pay our, the, the money for us raising the price, it's not going to be a problem. Uh, the like the weird arguments that they've been making about that certain acquisition, that you're like, the hypocrisy in display, in saying that, uh, the insane price of the PSVR two, like rel like relative to like how the economy is, and goddamn, I lost my camera. Yay. We lost him, everybody. Yeah, but I'm still. The void has finally yeah. taken Alejandro. <laughs> and then uh, I am returning. <laughs> oh, he rises. Yes. All right. But uh, of course, if the final year will end with like we haven't had many. Uh, technical issues thankfully throughout most of this year like we did last year so. so i remember yeah. last year when we were like getting internet drop-offs drop -offs, and, uh oh. vegetable man the interruptions uh, the construction i forgot about the vegetable man yeah uh the uh constructions happening in the u.s in the place where i stayed when i went the to get my shots yeah robot oh, boys is all that it was what a time that was hell of a time but it's just like a, and on top of that, Paul, no showcase this year for PlayStation, like at all. That to me, like, completely blew my mind. That they, 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 they were that ballsy of being like, yeah, we're just, not, we're just gonna be doing state of place, no showcase. Like, we're not gonna be like uh, pumping out the excitement for our fan base at all. And and rumors that apparently they decided to pump the brakes because they wanted to not give ammo to like the regulation happening over this certain deal. So at that point, I was like, that stupid deal is not like affecting us because now we're like, we don't know from PlayStation what's coming other than Spider-Man. And they have all these studios. They were like, so what are you guys doing? So it was like, it was so strange how in any year, like had they didn't have this attitude, this is the kind of lineup that you're like, holy crap, you guys, you're the best. You delivered where it counted. These are the games that we love from you. But I think it's a cautionary tale of like, you can have as great a release calendar as you can have, but your attitude around all of the things surrounding those releases can really dampen down what should have been like one of your, in objective speak, in objective terms, one of your best release calendars ever. Especially when last year, the last half of that year was empty. They kind of like uh, closed shop by September. Yeah. After what? Kina. I don't even, I can't even think of what else might have come out for them. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, Bridge of Spears was the last thing because the Death Stranding director Scott was like mm -hmm. around that time, if not before. But that was like a re-release of Death Stranding. It was like nothing like new and exciting. It was like their holiday was De Death Loop, 
which at the time was like an exclusive that no longer is an exclusive because yeah. they had that one year same like with Ghostwire Tokyo that had their their one year arrangements they got with Bethesda before they got acquired so it was like last year like PlayStation started strong like releasing things like Returnal and uh and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart really great games and then they went quiet because Horizon was supposed to be the fall game remember and then that got pushed to, pushed to this year Unfortunately for Horizon, had they released last year, I keep saying it, that could have cleaned up on Game of the Year. That was like, absolutely. that that game was absolutely better than most of anything that came out last year. And uh, again, it's like, and then like the attitude of PlayStation was even worse this year this year than last year, I'd say, because even last year, around the abandoned shenanigans, and remember, I kind of like racked yep. Sony through the calls of like because they had nothing happening around that time. Is that the puppy? No, this is the cat. He's okay, just like, up on my armrest. <laughs> because I, he looked a little brown so i was like yeah it's like i thought he was because... he's technically a, he's a tiny bit brown in the sunlight uh -huh. uh but yeah just look at how done with the world he is oh yes i know i'm surprised that they are not secretly planning your demise i think he is he's just so lazy uh <laughs> that he just isn't gonna follow through with it no matter mm -hmm. what it is yeah but yeah, anyway, I say, yeah, PlayStation, great content, terrible practices. So it's, 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 again, kind of like the year. I would say 10 out of 10 release, uh, like, content release this year. Probably a 4 or 5 out of 10, like, in everything else. Yeah. Averages out to a, a... Like a low 4, maybe, into a ex three. Ex Exactly. So it was like, maybe they had, like, a, at most, like, a 7 out of 10 year. And that's insane. Because yeah. it's like, I don't think you were going to have a lineup like this anytime soon again. Like, especially with most of your first party. Because... Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection, Horizon, Gran Turismo, Last of Us, God of War, that's first party. The other ones are kind of like their partnerships, like they did the things they do for uh, the sec sort of second party or like indie exclusives that they sometimes snag. But like in just first party releases, like man, it's like, especially I've been with PlayStation for a while, especially with PS4, that we barely got sometimes two or three games at most a year. We got like five of them this year. And because of Jim Ryan's like fuckface attitude. It's like that's how that's why I feel like if it's very easy to feel very apathetic towards PlayStation in a certain way, yeah. because they have they have acted in a way that's very easy to feel apathetic despite them delivering what matters, which is games. Now uh, on the other side of the spectrum, it's interesting now looking at this now right at the end of the year because I would say like this is uh, this is the perfect example of like trying to play the PR game so well when you literally have basically nothing yeah. and that's xbox so and i would say like with xbox it's so funny looking back at last year when everyone was like xbox finally is like the exclusives are finally here look at the fall xbox had it's like now the momentum is here they're gonna carry that momentum playstation needs to like start like withering at its heels because now their competitor finally got their crap together and they're putting they're gonna be putting out stuff and then this entire year comes in and i tell you this is xbox's worst release calendar like for, for when it comes to first party the worst year they've ever had period i don't care what people said it's like period it's like this this year's like you went an entire year without like a legit first party uh release especially after uh because the two games that were scheduled this year that were from bethesda after their acquisition both of them them got pushed but then i think okay yeah bethesda got acquired a little later you have had studios since 2018 that you acquired on top of the few ones that you already owned and you had nothing that was like a, I, I feel like i can't imagine like being just an xbox only player this year and not feel like a level of apathy about uh 
How could they have dropped the ball so hard after giving you a little glimpse of how good it could be last year? And even then, I would say like uh, how good a year they had last year is a little overrated for me because when you really boil it down, it's like uh, one of the podcasts that I listens to, Defining Duke, uh, they always mention the that Xbox has it, has its burgers, fries, and shakes uh, trio of releases, which is Halo, Gears, and Forza. That's yeah. always and uh, last year it was like yes they had Psychonauts, yes they had a. Uh, Microsoft Flight Sim, yes, they added, they managed to like snag on Game Pass a couple of stuff like MLB The Show 21, which was insane because that's a Sony made game. Right. And, and and even then, things like uh, Outriders, which was ended up being pretty good for that year. But it, it, even, even then, like the big headliners were Halo and Forza. Forza had their best game, especially in the Horizon series. Oh, yeah. But then Halo Infinite launched good relatively strong in some areas and then as this year went forward it's like halo infinite was an entire embarrassment this entire year that only finally started its uh slight renaissance with the uh winter update with forge then some of the things that people are creating are insane that forge tool is like can you imagine if that thing had launched in december oh it would be lauded as like the big return for halo even if the campaign wasn't that great mm -hmm. um like the multiplayer was there mm -hmm. without the grinding issues yeah and then to have forge being like yes this is what we remember and mm -hmm. like mid 2000s halo days Oh, it, it kind of breaks my heart because now the internet's moved on to other things and mm -hmm. the community is kind of still chilling. It's strong, but it's not being talked about anymore. So everybody's only yeah. going to remember the really middling launch of it. Yeah. And I'm not even, I wouldn't say middling launch. It was more like the middling support because the launch was yeah, a strong, yeah, was, yeah. was like a strong push because remember it was like they surprised everyone with the surprise launch of the multiplayer early in the Halo 1 anniversary and the original Xbox anniversary is like to celebrate the history of Xbox the multiplayer is ready play it now and then the campaign is going to launch and it's going to be free if you're on Game Pass and the campaign was good but the multiplayer is where it was great uh, that's when uh, we ranked those games when we did a ranking for uh, uh, our top 10 games of the year last year when I put Halo Infinite uh, as my number 5 that was also your number 5 if it had just been on campaign that would have gone way lower if yeah. if not even in the list it was the multiplayer that was like hey this is the best playing halo ever it's like it feels so nice like that like all the, the, the dynamicism of the new equipment and all that that this is going to be great if they keep supporting it. and the support was just absolutely horrendous yeah. and it led with to like heads rolled at 343 the head of the studio bonnie ross she quit she resigned over uh family health problems I don't believe it. Yeah. yeah, it was like that's just that's just PR speak. I can smell PR speak from anyone at this time. And uh, it, six month seasons, it's which we already knew what a six month season was. was the play and Destiny, and that was not good. Talked about that. Yeah, how bad that uh, is that feels. Yeah, it's like they didn't really learn the lesson from the other big space-ish shooter mm -hmm. live service game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have too much more to say about it mm -hmm. outside of like, yeah, sure. Uh, it's basically the opposite where we had the whole situation with PlayStation, great content, terrible service. And mm -hmm. Xbox was like great service, terrible not great content. Yeah, not great content. And, and like that, it's like stuff that's here isn't bad. It's just all like indie things. It's exactly. not at that level. That yeah, it, it's like if you if you were on, on Xbox, like in game, because obviously like oh, every if you're on Xbox, the whole talking point about that thing is Game Pass. That's... Yeah. everything that they care about like they like feeding that service and all that in fact the big acquisition that happened this year for that, that they're still attempting to 
finalized, it's like in service of that service, that uh, they've managed to fill a few stuff, like th some AAA stuff. Uh, they got, uh, early on, they got Rainbow Six Extraction, which wasn't that good, but mm. on Game Pass, it's like, yeah, we can try it there. Uh, but then, like, the indie content there, I would say, for if you love indies, that was a great place to, like, to, to like dive in. Like, for example, no Nobody Saves the World. That was the, the guys that made Guacamele. That they launched their first on Game Pass, and then that came over to, to PlayStation. But that's the thing, because this was on Game Pass that kind of, like, they got the first pop there. And that was, like, notable for them, because they got a usually PlayStation-centric indie developer to release their game first here, because of Game Pass. And Nobody Saves the World was, like, a Zelda-like in their style that was interesting. I bought it on PlayStation because at that time we didn't have an Xbox when it came out. Now we do, because they had six sales for the Series S, and the Series S, I tell you, is a piece of hardware. It's amazing for the yeah. price. Uh, I have heard insane stories about Immortality, this like FMB game from uh, her from the developers of her story. That's that, what that was. Okay. That, uh, that was nominated for like uh, Story of the Year and all that for Game Awards, and uh, many people argue that should have won Best Narrative or God of War, but I can't speak to that because I haven't played it. I'm just here saying that they, that had an insane story, and that was also on Game Pass. Tunic, that was one of the big early like indies from earlier this year, and we 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 tried it until we got our Xbox. It's a pretty good game. That's also now also on PlayStation. If you wanna if you wanna wanna play that, as Only does like twenty bucks or something too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, thirty I think. Uh, okay. Yeah, and I think it's worth the price. It's really oh, good. Yeah. So the fact that you can get it on Game Pass just tells you that at least when it comes to value, they still like they got the at least the consumer side of things really good in a way because of the final moves they made this year. But then uh, an indie like as Dust Falls that seemed like a heavy rain style choice based game that had like those weird stuff. Um, stop style like images moving forward with people that won the games for impact for the game yeah. awards and so that ended up being good that was one of the few exclusives they had but very like something that's not from their studios the only and then like something like even like somerville that the the, the game that you started playing that told was like from one of the guys that worked on limbo and inside not as beloved as limbo or inside but at least they managed to like identify that kind of game and it's still interesting enough and obviously the one that came out literally yesterday, uh, High on Life, that raunchy shooter that when we were watching uh, one of the showcases this year, you were like, I'm not sure about this. And then something happened that got you yeah. in, in, in the uh, humor. There's a couple of like those YouTube videos and Twitter posts randomly about moments from it that made me kind of chuckle. Um, it's It's got just such a weird, funny sense of timing that I'm like, all right, it'll make me chuckle, but maybe hopefully it doesn't overstay its welcome. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's... And it's on Game Pass, so you can... I'm downloading exactly. it right now. So. Um, I, I think I will at some point later on. I mean, I've got so many games that I realize that if I just start downloading everything I want to play, I'll never get around gonna, to it. Yes. Oh yeah. It's like it's an embarrassment of riches. I tell yeah, you. it really is. But um, I feel so, like. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, I feel like the only one that you could say at least did some work to at least provide something that was from a studio that they owned was Obsidian, putting out the 1.0 release of Grounded that people love. Grounded. Like that came in now that it's a complete game out of early access and people really like dove in. People like investing hundred hours into that thing and hearing like some fun stories of playing it in multiplayer. That it's like a, a shocking like out of nowhere like release to become something notable that they needed. When grounded was just gonna be like a small thing that could complement the bigger stuff. But because there's no bigger stuff, that's the big stuff. And I tried grounded a little bit, but I definitely that's a game that I want to try with you and Zach. I know Zach has been playing it, so 
I, before I give like a full verdict, but I'm glad it was there. And then Pentiment, that they allowed uh, Josh Sawyer, the creator of Fallout, to, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, make such an indie-looking style game as a first party. A novel, like basically a graphic novel about like 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 Christian Inquisitions and all of that. That uh, if you're interested into trying something completely different, I feel like this is a good example of like what have like what being on Microsoft's first party, the kind of freedom that they can give you because you're providing content for Game Pass because you don't have to worry too much about selling it. You're just selling a service that's just more avant-garde, and that was Xbox's highest-rated game this year. Even though, and that was, I put it in my top 10 most anticipated, even though when I played, I was like, yeah, this is a graphic novel, I'm not in the mood for this, but I'm definitely in the mood to play it on xCloud. Because that feels like the kind of game for, like, a mobile, so. But even then, like, just looking at that, and then when you think about a whole year, if you're looking for, like, just Xbox stuff to play, Xbox was poor this year. Like, good thing Elden Ring came out on Xbox. I, I have complete agreeing. Uh, I, I am completely agreeing, because it's it's kind of pitiful in some ways but yeah. at the same time it's like they kind of handled whatever they could do and mm -hmm. they're trying to buy their time until the rest of this stuff drops next year which mm -hmm. maybe we'll be saying different things by that point yeah and the thing is that the, the pr game that carried them through this year completely fell off at the end of the year when they announced the price hike of the games when uh they got sued by the ftc which we're gonna talk a little bit just over in the why and that uh they showed up with nothing at the game awards when then other ones show games so it's like it was like it, for a year that was already shaky how they ended it it's like yeah it's like you can you pr your way out of this like so like as much as you could but like in the end like there's like no sugarcoating it 2022 was one of xbox's worst years ever so nintendo paul if you were on nintendo i tell you they fed you and they fed you hard let me just like read everything they uh they they released if you're just a nintendo they started with pokemon legends arceus also then they followed up with kirby and the forgotten land the square enix exclusive triangle strategy nintendo switch sports mario strikers battle league uh they had the first dips on neon white which is not going multi-platform but that was the first the first system that launched it with fire emblem warriors three hopes xenoblade chronicles 3 which was a game of the year nominee Splatoon 3, Multiplayer Game of the Year, uh, Bayonetta 3, the best action game of the year, Harvestella, the uh, the, the kind of like one of the, the million RPGs that, uh, that Square Enix like released for them this year, that was like a notable one for being like both an RPG and a Harvest Moon style like mix, that it was a mixed thing, but it still, it put it out, and then ending with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which sold 10 million copies in three its first days. three days, even if the game was broken. And, and I tell you, it's like, while the other two were kind of duking out, Nintendo was like, they didn't have their big, like, they didn't have a Zelda, they didn't have a Mario, they didn't have a Donkey Kong, like, what, what you would think is like something big, but it tells you the breadth of their portfolio that they were able to fill up the year with all of this. Um, and did wait, when does Mario the Rabbids come out? That's... That was this year also. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Yes, imagine, um, it's a, but that wasn't then, that was Ubisoft. That is... Uh, okay, well, so it's not first party, but still, I mean, uh -huh. we have a few that aren't quite first party. Now imagine. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, they fed, they fed, it's, I tell you, like, if you're just a Nintendo, only a Nintendo, this were spread through all the 12 months. They had a really good year. 
to be able to give games to their people. On top of like all the ports that they were giving them, all the indie stuff uh, that you can play there because the Switch is like the perfect place to play indies, like in handheld and all that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say like from an objective terms, I think they probably had the best year out of the three. Like, like all the all the first parties, like they didn't have any major controversies. Uh, you can maybe argue the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet can be like a controversy, but that's like yeah. softened by the fact that people still bought the game, so it was like it, it wasn't like a huge calamity for them. They got maybe away with they got away with murder. Pokemon Legends Arceus that had a lot of talk about it at the time, but um, besides that, I mean everybody really loved Xenoblade Chronicles Three, Splatoon yeah. Three, like you said, winning top uh, multiplayer game, Bayonetta Three getting top action game for the mm -hmm. year. It's like they just kind of walked in and swept and continued to print money while mm -hmm. the other two children fought. Yeah, and uh, that's Nintendo's gonna Nintendo on that one because yeah. clearly they operate on such a different wavelength that not only for um where normal cases sometimes i would say it's nostalgia glasses for some people but some oh, yeah. of these, a lot of these were legitimately good games yeah so, i would say the only game yeah. here from like this list that were not that good was both uh harvest stella which has like mixed reception based on how they mixed up its mixes and mario strikers battle league which was the latest sports game that launched uh half-baked for them to like slowly add the uh the content afterwards they have had a bad habit with the sports game like releasing them like in such bare bones yeah. states like from the mario from mario Golf, that was last year yeah and uh, they had that same problem yeah they had a great that. gameplay it had a great gameplay foundation but it it it, had, it it came out so bare bones that that then they added the content but then like the excitement of those games usually at launch and then it's like by the time the things that uh, they they add the things that they promised they were gonna add people had already moved on so yeah. They're not treating their sports games well, but that's just one out of like almost 10 games that they released. And uh, and the fact that it was like, because Zelda was supposed to come out this year also, and, they got and then it got delayed. That still carried the Switch, if you, were if you were there on the Switch. I personally, I'm only salty of Nintendo because of something that happened around September that we're definitely gonna talk about, because it's the one thing I want from them, and it's still, it feels like it just keeps evading us. But uh, I have to like speak objectives, like Nintendo had a good year. It really, and I, I would even say they probably had the best year out of the three. And all, it's all because of Sony's attitude. Sony would have been like the better one, just in like high quality, but yep. they but, acted um, like children. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have too much more to say about that. It's Me like, neither. good for you, Nintendo. Uh, yeah. Like, I guess keep up the good work. Give us what we want next time. <laughs> yes, and next year, now we, and now we have the date for the big game. A big yep. game that we both want to play, so. Yeah. Like, to me personally, this was also a year where I didn't play most of these games. So I'm only talking about just on chatter. So, like, uh, me personally, Nintendo, this was like a snooze year for Nintendo for me. But it's like, Nintendo to me is always my secondary console. So, it's not never going to be something that, even if I don't touch it in a year, I'm going to be feel too salty. Because I know what I got myself into with that one. You got more play out of it that for the Switch than I did with the Pokemon yeah, games. Somehow, um, and Kirby and the Forgotten Land is probably going to be a Christmas gift for my wife, so I'll at least get to watch it played for a bit. I'm gonna, I'm considering playing because I heard really great things about that one. So Same. I, I don't want to like, at least I'm gonna like do my one Nintendo game. Maybe it's gonna be that Kirby game. So maybe it's on sale. I don't know. I haven't checked these deals. So. Probably a good guess out of all of these. That's probably the one that you'd enjoy the most. Oh yeah, just based on like my tastes. Because yeah. I know Xenoblade, I wouldn't play like Splatoon. I enjoyed Splatoon 2 enough, but it's like it's not something that I would plop the full price for them. Bayonetta 3, I could probably enjoy because I do enjoy me some DMC. So true. Now, Paul, like now with that, we have gone through the 
the, the, the big three, which goes Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft, who had, like, the best to worst year. And yep. uh, now we're going to go through the headlines of the year that I kind of, like, collected just going back to the, at our episodes and just remembering some of the big chatter that we had. So, of course, we're going to start the big headlines of 2022, and it's the one that hung on through the entire year, even right now, and apparently is going to keep going forever. Like, because of a certain lawsuit that got filed recently, and that was Microsoft chose violence and entered an agreement to purchase Activision Blizzard. I remember this because we woke up that day. I think you were already awake. I took a drink of water, got, went into Instagram, and I post, saw Microsoft, and I saw the, all the pictures of Activision. It's like, we, we, we're proud to announce we're welcoming Activision Blizzard as a, uh, into the first-party studios family. And I was like, this is insanity. Like I was, I couldn't believe. I absolutely could not believe it at the time, and especially because just on the heels of them closing Bethesda just the year before, they moved into this one. Which of course they moved into this one because Activision Blizzard got battered to death by the whole sexual harassment scandal that they got like hit with the year before. Just so, continued to roll and roll and roll. Yeah. But to me, it's just thinking like all the just the constant talking points about them trying to say like, don't worry guys, like Call of Duty is not gonna become like multi, it's not gonna become exclusive. We're gonna keep it multi-platform. And uh, then when we had Sony coming in the ring and acting like a baby of like the deal that they proposed to us is inadequate because in PlayStation we've always promoted like we've always promised the highest quality Call of Duty experience available. Blah blah blah. Like just trying to quote fucking Jim Ryan and. Uh, and then, like, then going back back to back, like, Sony flew to Brussels to, like, debate why that deal was going to be bad. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you're going to, like, go debate about a third-party game. And, yeah, just, like, completely ignore all your stuff, Sony, that makes you what you are. And uh, then on top of that, we close up the year with the FTC being like, now nah, we're suing them to block the deal. On top of, like, the CMA and the EU over at, the, at Europe saying that, no, we're like, we have to investigate this because we don't think this is going to be good for the industry. So... Uh, when this was announced, it was announced with like the plan that by June 2023, pending regulatory like approval, was going to be when they close the transaction. That's not going to happen now. What that means, Paul, is that the, the story that started this year is going to continue to next year, if not even further, because if they, if it, if they, especially because Microsoft said we're going to take this thing to court because we're absolutely believe that this is a, a transaction we have to complete and we believe we have a case. So if it goes into case, this is going to be like maybe a two-year process. And I am so tired of it. This was a year-long process that I was like, that's one of the, the reasons that I'm like, I can't wait to turn to patient 2023 because this was ever-present. We kept hearing about it. We kept talking about it. We tried to ignore about it. And then kind of Sony would say stupid stuff that we wanted to talk about it to clown on them. It was, ugh, this stupid story. And I hate that. It's not going to be ending on, on, on June. But uh, immediately afterwards, after that acquisition, Paul, uh, Sony purchased Bungie. Remember that? It was like a week or two later we got the news that they like purchased yeah. Bungie for like 3.6 billion. All of us were thinking, oh no, here we go. This is the start of yeah. the console uh, Co consolidation, consolidation of the industry. Yeah, at least it doesn't seem like that was the case for this specific instance, but... I will say that we started. got some other stuff that happened this year that got also consolidated, yeah. especially with Embracer Grip. Uh, each of those two news stories kind of took a year off my life. Yeah. The Bungie, and what makes that notable was that uh, you can definitely tell that uh, 
what Microsoft has been doing broke Sony's protocol. Sony's protocol had always been, we're going to work with, uh, with with studios, we're going to nurture them, we're going to do a couple games with them, and then if the relationship is good, then we're going to buy them. Like, But first they proved that relationship was fruitful. Sony and Bungie had never worked together like in that extent. Only other than just being kind of like a, through the Activision conduit of early Destiny, where they were doing the exclusive content for PlayStation for Destiny 1 and early Destiny 2. But that's not like the kind of relationship you're like, when they announced it, they were like, we've had a great relationship with Bungie over the last seven years, and we can't wait to like finally nurture that, that relationship further with what we've done. It's like, you guys haven't done much. They're just done like exclusive content in a multi-platform game. And they re they're keeping Destiny 2 multi-platform, which... Is the one thing that I did appreciate when that was acquired that they didn't wish to watch about. They announced that they that Bungie was being purchased, but everything was staying the same, which has been the problem with Microsoft. That right now it's coming to bite them in the ass that they speak from one from from one side of the mouth and then through the bot something else sounds. Uh, and, and and I'm glad that wasn't that much of a problem. And it was a way way cheaper transaction in comparison. Even though 3.6 billion dollars for Bungie was like was still like a lot of money for that kind of studio because it's just one studio. When Insomniac was bought for 229 million, and that's insane. I feel I feel bad for Insomniac that they probably they had held on for one more year before selling. They could have cashed out even bigger. But on top of that, uh, Sony purchased Haven, which was one of the, the studio made by Jade Raymond, who was the executive producer of Assassin's Creed and uh, and Watch Dogs back at Ubisoft. When she was working at Stadia, and then Stadia was like, no more first-party games, we're closing shop. Then she left and created that studio that then Sony initially started, like, their relationship with in 2021. That an initial investment to start doing the thing that they usually do, but this year was like, F it. Just, uh, we're going to buy them. They have no game, we don't know what they're doing, we only know that apparently they're working on a cloud infrastructure. But we have we don't know anything else. Uh, I know Sony acquired something else, I think it was Savage Studios, it was the mobile like that mobile game studio that they acquired that I'm like, I don't really care much about that, but those were like the big Sony moves that happened in the eve of the consolidation war starting with the Activision stuff. Then uh, this one was a big excitement for us. That was when EA and Respawn announced officially new Star Wars games. The sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, which eventually we learned was called Jedi Survivor, a first-person shooter, and an RTS. So. Now we know, we finally know when Jedi Survivor is coming. I would still don't know about the shooter, but the RTS was like, I can't wait to see how that, because I remember, uh, do you remember the Star Wars RTS from like way back in the day, back in the day? I remember Empire. Empire at War. War. Yeah, yes. that one. I love that game. <laughs> All right. I played that game so much, and it is especially based on how you can create your own game out of that. Um, I, I spent too much time on it, that's for sure. But anyway, I, I'm kind of down for whatever it is mm -hmm. uh, because clearly Respawn proved themselves a Jedi Survivor and EA has started to kind of turn things around a little bit mm -hmm. um, as far as their predatory practices and kind of cutting corners. Yeah, no, and not only that, like Jedi Fallen Order completely changed the trajectory of that studio. Absolutely. Because yeah. it was like, that was done like, they let, they, they let Respawn do that game as it was because they didn't believe in it. They believed in Battlefront. Right. They allowed it to like come out with like micro with our microtransactions and all of that, just kind of like as a yeah, just do it, just do it. We don't care. We don't. You're not gonna get the budget. Like that's why it launched buggy in like 2019, and now we know it's like it ended up being so good. It sold. It's one of the best selling games of the generation, and it still sells. You can see if you look at top 20s, 
Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order still charts. It's insane. So that completely changed EA's standard. Now from like the big three, from like the Activision, Ubisoft, and EA, now they have been very vocal about no like single player, like legit single player stuff, not live service stuff. It's a big strategy for portfolio when the other ones are more like. Oh yeah, we're just Call of Duty, and the other one's like, no, we're making live services of all our games. Look what we're doing with Assassin's Creed Infinity over at Ubisoft. So, incredible how that game like changed the trajectory because they were the ones that were like, single player is dead. It's all about like the monetization. Remember in 2017? So, and that's coming out so soon. I can't wait. Yeah. Not much news, Paul, but let's just remember the February onslaught that was playing Sifu one week. Then Horizon Forbidden West the next week. And on top of that, like the Cyberpunk 2077, like next gen version dropping two days before Horizon. The launch of Destiny 2 The Witch Queen and Elden Ring. All in a three-week period. And to give you such a crazy system of this. Hey, I hope you've uh, finished playing that 160-hour game because we're going to give you the next one and the next one and the next one and then Elden Ring capping it all off, giving you like two months' worth of information to just pace out. I, I can only remember so perfectly all of like YouTube just changed fundamentally for that period of time where it was different builds, different secrets, different lore videos, mm -hmm. and um, on top of everything else going on. So, yeah, I I remember it fondly, but boy, did it stress me out for a bit. Yeah, but I think my favorite memory was that obviously we got Sifu because we're like, we want to play something and this seems like a small game that could tie us over because Horizon was like the big game for me at that time. I was You were excited for Elden Ring, I wasn't as much. It was like my ninth most exciting game of that year because I wasn't much a big Souls guy. That's probably like the, my, probably my favorite memory of 2022 was that I became a Souls guy, like knee deep this year. And yeah. I'll just never forget, like Horizon launch, it had like it was the highest rated game at that time, with its eighty, with its ninety. Then they dropped to eighty nine Metacritic at the time, and I was like, yes, it's like he's reviewing just as well as the original. And I'm hearing all the right things. I started playing. It's like, yes, this feels like the kind of sequel I knew I was gonna get from this. And then in the weekend that I was playing Horizon, I was like looking at my social media and I was hearing so many rumblings about Elden Ring, like so many people doing very cheeky. You gotta keep an eye on Elden Ring. Hey, how about that Elden Ring? And I was like, the last time I saw that was when Zelda was about to come out. And then the day before when the reviews dropped. Remember that morning that I sent you the Tom meme, the distressed Tom meme that you that you put in when I made, when I showed you like very suggestive Riverdale content? Yep. <laughs> that was the one that I posted and me looking at all these Elden Ring reviews and it was ten, 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 ten. Because we had literally said, We're good with Horizon, we can probably wait on Elden Ring. And then that I happened. was really trying to be optimistic with Horizon to be like, I'm going to give it its chance this time. I'm going to really just pace mm -hmm. myself. I'm going to play that and then just get to Elden Ring when I can. And then Elden Ring came out and just yeah. said, no, we're, you're going to play this now. Yeah. But let's remember, when we started playing it, we were not feeling it. Remember that? Yeah, we were like, hmm. When I started, wasn't feeling it. And I was like, yep, yeah, I'm... In the same position that I was always with Souls games, I hear great things about it, start them, I get my ass kicked, and I'm like, will I be able to have the patience to do all this? And uh, then I went back to Horizon, and then you kept playing more. Then I decided I'm going to try a little bit more, and that's when I unlocked the mount. And I was like, oh. And it just kept, and it kept. And that to me was like, the big thing was like, I'm the Horizon guy, I'm the bow and arrow female simp. 
and I kept going back to Elden Ring. And then on top of that, something possessed me to go back to Dark Souls 1. Remember, without even beating Elden Ring? <laughs> you were... I was so confused because I was like, Are, you're going to burn yourself out. And then you just continued to play uh -huh. and continued to play. Yeah. <laughs> and you continued to play. And you just played like every single freaking Dark Souls game there was, uh -huh. honestly. Only yeah. stopping uh, after like two or three of them. Yeah, two, Dark Souls 2 was my stop because that game fucking sucks. Um, uh, but um, Dark Souls 1, I was like, I thought because I only like wanted to try to be like, how does it, how does, how would I feel going back to Dark Souls 1 after trying Elden Ring? Because Elden Ring is when it clicked for me. And then going back and taking that clickiness, dude, I was like, this feels similar. And I just kept playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. The game wouldn't end because I wasn't realizing it was going to be like a 60 hour game. But that dominated like a good two weeks of my life. While well, you were kept getting forward with Elden Ring, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm here, just still playing Dark Souls." Yep. And and then after that, like I went back to Horizon to Platinum it. While you were, while you and Sack were still playing Elden Ring, and then when I Platinum uh, Horizon, I went into Elden Ring, and then I passed you both, <laughs> and I was the first one to beat it. That was like. One of my favorite gaming moments of this year. That that was February, uh, March, and April. And then, then when all of that was done, it was like, that's when they, they, it hit me. Crap, there's nothing else. Is it like anything else that came out this year so far? It's not hitting the spot. So here came the, the malaise. But that, that period of like those five games coming out, um, I can't wait to relive that next year. Because it feels like we're going to get that, but more times in 2023. We're gonna be feasting. Then uh, around that time, Call of Duty decided to like with the Bloomberg report. We heard that finally Call of Duty after Modern Warfare 2 that was gonna come out that year still had not been re revealed to officially be Modern Warfare 2 until much later. We just assume it was gonna be because it was Infinity War's turn that they're like, yeah, uh, apparently they're no longer gonna annualize the series. They're finally moving out from just like releasing uh, a game every year. And to me, it was like. As someone that I didn't really care about Call of Duty that much anymore, even though I just always dabbled every year for the campaigns. And this year I was like, knowing that now it's like, yeah, this is the last one for a while. I was like, made, gave weight to Modern Warfare 2. And good thing Modern Warfare 2 turned out really good, despite a middling campaign. So, and it was notable because I was like, man, I've been buying Call of Duty every year since 2005. That's going to be weird. Like a 15 to 17 year love tradition. Of buying I, every single one. Hey, I'm I'm really glad that they did it. Um and I'm just hoping that it like they learn the the right lessons from mm -hmm. it instead of saying, Oh shoot, we we lost a bunch of money. Well guess what guys, we're gonna do it again or cutting corners, pocketing all that extra money mm -hmm. and then putting out another middling game two years from now mm -hmm. um or just not doing enough for next year because as we know they're supposed to yeah. be in even modern warfare 2 it's so funny how they keep adding stuff that you would have expected to be at launch so even then like a, a game that's still like better than the ones that came out a few years before it's right. still like you just you're still feeling like they're running uh, against the wall with the annualization and then having to cut corners to meet the launch date and then start adding the stuff like recently they just added the scorecard the KD ratio and all of that, that's insane. And uh, But because they had a working game, unlike another game that came out the year before, that was in the year 2042, that launched also without that, on top of it being broken. <laughs> it, it, it didn't make the it, it didn't make uh, the controversy like uh, 
like it did for that one. And Modern Warfare 2 is just a better game than 2042. Let's just say it. It's, it just is. It does Battlefield better than Battlefield, which is crazy. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then uh, around that time in March, we finally heard that Project Spartacus, which it, it, it was going to be uh, PlayStation's answer to Game Pass, was just going to be three new tiers for PS Plus. Before that, especially having learned that the Activision Blizzard thing was happening, I was thinking it's going to strengthen Game Pass so much. What's Sony going to do? And then when they announced it, it was like bare minimum what you would have expected from them. And the thing that we wanted the most, which was native PS3 backwards compatibility, was both locked up in that premium tier. That's $18 a month. And it's just streaming still because they still haven't figured out... uh, a way to make a navy. Although at that time we heard the news that they were finally started. They started hiring people to finally start looking into like native PS3 backwards compatibility. And I'm like, guys, you have had how long to do that? It's just insane. I will say the extra tier, which is where you are right now. The amount of games that they're adding, if you haven't bought them, which to me like I don't find value in the extra service still because I have bought so many of those games. But then seeing, but just seeing what they're adding, I'm like, crap. Like, if you're just in the extra tier, you're getting good. Like, if you if you don't want to buy a bunch of games, but you want to play a bunch of like the first party stuff and a bunch of third party stuff that they're adding from like Ubisoft and all of that, I'm like, that I feel is like that's where the value is currently in that service. But it's still sad that then like, yes, PS1 and PS2 backwards compatibility is also officially like native on PS5, but they barely added anything. Like today. They announced that Rich Racer 2 from PSP instead of uh, the PS1 version is oh. the one that they're adding. And apparently they're thinking into adding Star Wars Battlefront 2 PSP version also. And I'm like, why not the PS2 version? That one's better. The PSP version doesn't even have the Rise of the Empire campaign. It's just the uh, bot battles. Man. <laughs> so, PS Plus was just like, it, 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 as expected of Sony, it's like... Like they did when in a certain movie that came out in, in December 2021. If you expect to always be disappointed, you're never going to be disappointed. <laughs> That's our mantra with them when it comes in things outside of games. This one hurt for you, Paul, in this next headline. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 delayed. Because that was your most anticipated game. And uh, I put it as a honorable mention in our most anticipated. And you were like incensed. I was like... I think I'll, I'll win out here because it doesn't even have a title, so I don't think it's coming out this year. I won in that one. <laughs> yeah, well, in my head, it was like the probability of it getting pushed didn't register. Not really register. It just didn't matter as much as, well, if it does, that is my most anticipated. Mm-hmm. So I like I just had to give it to it anyway. And unfortunately, I lost out on that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least it's going to be quarter one of next year. Quarter oh. two. May. Oh, yeah. Two. Yeah. All right. Um, that's true. Yeah. Because March is quarter one. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I, at least I'm going to get it next year, I guess. But also, it's going to be surrounded by everything else. And I just hope that I have enough time to play it and enjoy myself. Oh, yeah. And it, that, that's going to be interesting seeing it launch around that time also with everything that's coming out that's like legit something that i really want to try but to me like the the, the coolest news about the zelda thing like the most hilarious is the title tears of the, the kingdom the fact that it's highly theorized that their announcement was pushed back because that was the day that the queen died around the week the, the week the queen like, died yeah it was something close to it yeah so that they, would kill me if we ever got uh-huh. confirmation of that. 
you can I just see. you can just be theoretical because it was like uh, in the UK that was the only place that where they didn't uh, release the uh, the live stream like we did right. in the in the all of them. Yeah, that was just like a VOD that would launch in the UK after the live stream was done. So just correlating and calling Tears of the Kingdom are at, at the time where <laughs> where Britain was like uh, commemorating Queen Elizabeth, which to me it's insane. Like uh, how much at the death of, the, of a monarch over there. It's like has this this kind of weight that yeah. literally there were even Steam decks that were locked out. You couldn't play Steam Deck because they were like, we're doing this time to mourn the queen. I would lose my mind. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, sad stuff. But imagine getting your console locked out because you're like mourning, mourning the monarch. It's very interesting stuff. But at least we got the release date on May, May 12, uh, 2023, unless it gets pushed. I doubt it will. Like, it's rare for Nintendo to give releases that just get pushed. They tend to, like, give years and keep pushing. Uh, that, that I know they like doing. Uh, but now we know it's, like, that's going to be a really great start to May. Uh, around this time also, I think this was around April, the Unreal Engine 5, which we had first seen in 2020 with that, remember that Tomb Raider-looking thing that ended with the women flying through mountains and all that with, like, yeah. the intense details and all that. That was when... The, the engine officially launched as like, okay, this is not this is not just beta for developers. This is officially a tool for developers now. Everything you saw with the Matrix Awakens demo from December the, pre the previous year, like all of that now integrated. Now developers go free and 82 studios, including studios from Microsoft and Sony said that they're working on that engine, including around that time that the uh, Crystal Dynamics announced, yeah, our next Tomb Raider is leaving our proprietary engine to work on Unreal Engine 5. And when, that, when they said that, I was like, makes perfect sense. The concept demo we saw in 2020 look like a tomb raider game anyway yep. so and, and it's, it's uh, for me it's like i i'm more excited about the potential of unreal engine 5 and now that we're seeing a lot more from that it's are you seeing what it's doing with fortnite the lumen nanite technology for for the recent 5.1 engine you should look it up it's insane I, how it's like it, it's transformed the look of fortnite in lighting yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put like Fortnite, uh, Unreal Engine 5.1, Lumen, Nanite. Put. Uh, let's see. You will see it on the. I think this. Is it, yeah. Once, once it actually loads. Holy moly! Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. All right. There's some images of two, wow. uh, of looking at the okay, same yeah. uh, at the same house, like. The quality of lighting of Lumen Nanite compared to how it looked before. Yeah, that's a it leap. Really changes exactly what's going on. I gotta give Fortnite its props. They have been crushing it on the crossover mm -hmm. side, and then the way that they're really bringing this into the next step of their game, constantly iterating, constantly changing things, constantly like throwing out half of their game because mm -hmm. parts of it were not really working and then they just said hey we're gonna take creation completely out of the game or at least most of uh parts of it Golly, no creation just... is still there the thing they took out that they don't care much about is save the world well no yeah they completely took out that out that's been a long gone i'm saying more like because there's now game modes oh yeah the game modes that you don't even force. that you don't build at all it's just combat and that has made that game better a lot of people are like now the gunplay uh that i always thought thought sucked ass in that game now feels good now that there's like yeah. no you don't have to like worry about like people building eiffel tower in front of you to to like to to, to uh 
to get a, to get one on you. It's like sometimes the way that people would construct in that game was insane. I was like, I could never compete in this. Like, I could never. But uh, I think more importantly, uh, Fortnite has been interesting to see it as a test bed for Unreal Engine 5. Because uh, when uh, it launched on PS5, uh, when one of the seasons started, that's when they switched to this engine. And now they added Lumen. And now it has. Now you see like how that could transform the look of games. Now imagine that being applied to everything that's going to be developed. Because they literally say everything that you see in Fortnite, you can do. The big thing was that now it can all be done at 60 frames. Unreal Engine 5 was a 30 frames per second like thing when the, when the Matrix Awakens demo launched. So it's like that engine is like constantly improving. I can't wait to see native games come out on that. Well, you already saw one, Tekken 8. That's on Unreal Engine 5. Oh. So. Yep, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Why? Because uh, that game looks gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Now, this next one, Paul, this one's for you. Kingdom Hearts 4 is real. I, have we heard anything since then? No, that was when we first heard of it. That it was in development. I we woke up and it was like any other details about that because I I'm struggling to remember anything about nope, it. That's all okay. we heard that it was just in development. That it was I, official. I'm not surprised, but I'm also like, all right, you know what? This is my favorite. This oh shoot, I'm gonna get flack for this. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is the Riverdale of the gaming community. <laughs> It really is, and the people that love it absolutely love it, and it's like, it's so easy to, to see, like, how corny it is from the outside and think it's the worst thing ever, but when you're in, you're in, and yeah. that thing, like, more, it, like, worms itself into your brain, into your heart, it's saccharine, like, cheery, demi like, like cheery tone, it's oh, just, yeah. it's just so wholesome that, to me, it's just, it's, I'm just glad that Kingdom Hearts 4, we know it exists. When we'll see it, I don't know, because it's Nomura, we know how Nomura works these days, but, uh, I think this, they. I think they said that it's gonna be done in Unreal Engine Five because four, uh, uh, three was done in Unreal Engine Four, so yeah, and I that helped. Like when they switched because they were doing they were doing Kingdom Hearts and the Luminous tools, the tools that they were doing for Spoken on, but then they were like, these tools are a disaster. We're going to switch to Unreal Engine, and that's how Kingdom Hearts Three got done quicker because the other tools were bad. So. And Unreal Engine 5 apparently is just as easy to use as Unreal Engine 4, so we probably could get it sooner-ish. But I'm glad we don't have to go through another 354, 358-2 spin-off, another Birth by Sleep, and uh, Dream Drop Distance before we get to a 4. We already got the 4 announcement. And don't forget the, the 2.8 final yeah, mix. Yeah, the final mix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate those names so much. Uh, yeah, I, I, It's just intentional at that point. They, oh, they're just God. being li like that. Then around that time, also, we got that Max Payne is going to be remade by Remedy. And that was a big deal because the last Max Payne was done by Rockstar. Remedy has not worked on Max Payne for a while. So them being like, no, we're going back to uh, we're going back to Max Payne, big deal. So, And another one that was big for us around that time, headline, Uncharted's Amy Hennig returned to Star Wars. Which, big deal because she was working on that like Uncharted-style looking game at EA that got canned. Around the time of the... Yeah, single player is not our focus anymore. It's all about the microtransactions. And uh, that was being built on the bones of 1313 because 1313 was that kind of game. And her game was going to be like that. So it would appear that now we will probably get our Uncharted style Star Wars game now. But we'll probably get it after their Marvel game, which was the Captain America Black Panther game. We saw teased at the Marvel game slash Disney livestream that one time that... Definitely had a bunch of Amy Hennig touches, like the pan and the, the the pan in the table that's straight from Uncharted 3. So 
Then around that time, we got a... It's so funny reading this, especially with what we learned today. Uh, when Naughty Dog announced their intents to continue Uncharted and The Last of Us. Uh, around that time, that's when the Part 1 remake was confirmed and then later revealed. Uh, that was when we got the... What we talked about a week or two ago, or the, uh, two, an episode or two ago about the, like, uh, the Uncharted remake. And how them hiring that person that was going to be like the, the, the person like managing the, the IP as it goes to someone else. It's so funny. That's when this happened early on. And now we know about the Uncharted remake. And now we know apparently with insider sources that their next game is The Last of Us Part 3. And then when I saw that, I was like... Yeah. I was like, I've said it before. I said it in the first episode of our return show. I love The Last of Us, the, the first game. My love reinformed by, like, reaffirmed with the remake this year. Part two, I am the side that I love that game and how much it personally meant to me and how it affected me. I know many people don't. There's toxicity around The Last of Us. And with the TV show happening, factions still happening, and now apparently them doing that, I'm like, Naughty, are you for real? Like, you really don't want to do anything else just in this? It's like, man, it's like, it really, them losing Amy Hennig, I tell you, is like really change the tenor of that studio. I feel like they feel like they only have dark people working on that game, on, on that studio, that they can only do dark and dreary stuff. Yeah. And they still love the smell of their own farts. So that they do. So, yeah. I certainly don't appreciate a lot of it, but mm -hmm. um, I guess we'll see what ends up happening. I'll respect Naughty Dog when they announce a new IP. That one I'm going to be like, mm, I'm going to, like, my eyes are going to pop. I'm going to be like, okay, I want to hear more. We had heard the rumors that apparently they were working on a fantasy game. That sounded really exciting. Because there was a like concept art that you could like infer that was part of like teases how they've done before that they have had teases in their games about their next project like Uncharted Three had the newspaper that teased The Last of Us. Yeah. So, that, gosh, that was weird. Yeah, that was a long time ago. So I'm like, yeah, that was. It's so funny reading that and knowing that today we got that news. I was like, yeah, that picture that I sent you the uh, the that, that meme of like the husk <laughs> reading that news was like that's how I feel and I love The Last of Us and I feel that way, like. Give me something else, Naughty Dog. Uh, this one uh, was happened, Paul, in our 50th episode of the show. Like, uh, uh, the Square Enix selling Crystal Dynamics, Square Enix Montreal, and Eidos Montreal to the Embracer Group for $300 million. And I'm like, that is absolutely insane that they sold it for that cheap. That they just wanted to get rid of them so bad that... Because we're now in the billion-dollar acquisitions, and that happened. So... And now we know that like, right now, like, Crystal Dynamics is helping with the Tomb Raider. Uh, I mean, not, not Tomb Raider. The Perfect Dark reboot over at Microsoft. And now we heard that Eidos Montreal is also aiding with Fable. It's something we heard recently. And Square Enix Montreal changed their name and got closed two weeks after changing their name. Remember? <laughs> Which is just so sad, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's in such a... How can I say this? It was such a mismanagement. It was just a clear case of mismanagement. How did that happen? It's a... Because it takes a lot of money to rebrand and make logos and all of that and like trademark it. And then you can close it. That was... The Embracer group is like, yeah, they're gobbling all of this. And we're going to talk about more gobbling that they did later. Uh, and I'm scared that they're not going to be good stewards of everything that they're acquiring. It just seems like they're just gobbling everything just to gobble it. So, yeah. the next one was a hilarious section in our show, Paul. The death of EA Sports FIFA. Oh, man. I remember very well uh what <laughs> the way that you went off 
Yeah, because it was my time to finally rant at how much I fucking hate FIFA. I fucking hate those games so much. And everything that's gonna happen with FIFA from here on out, even though right now the World Cup is... I think my game is just finished. I think France won. I don't know. Don't care. I haven't been watching the games. Yeah. That's how much I care about soccer, anyone. But just my hatred for FIFA growing up. And I just know that now the series is changing its name. And then now the FIFA name will be like be gonna put by the FIFA organization in NFTs and all that. Remember when we read that? Like, what their plans were? And just yeah. that's gonna be hilarious for that community that just plays those games left and right. And, oh man. That was so, so good. Just, it, it, it felt... It, I had that release. Just years of pent-up frustration of how frustrating it was to be a gamer down here that it was like people either would only play Call of Duty or FIFA and nothing else. So... The next one, one was what defined this year as one of the worst Xbox years ever, especially because they didn't fill it up to make up for this. The Starfield and Redfall delay. A, a day before I told you, I can't wait. Like Starfield and Redfall are totally going to come out this year. And then that happened. I was like, wow. Wow. I was like, I, I could, couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it that, they, that those delays gave Xbox their worst release year ever. I really and thought they would have deli like delivered more resources to them to make that happen. Mm -hmm. At least just pick one of them, mm -hmm. like take teams from the other side if you have to or whatever, yeah. and just get it out here. But no, they just said no. We're just gonna send. Yeah, it and they had mentioned that apparently Star and they apparently said that Starfield was in a cyberpunk level technical yeah, disaster. Which... So I was like, oof, yeah, I that was a good yeah. choice. That was a good choice. To me, the thing is that I know like. If the, Mac, if the Activision acquisition goes through, they're going to have 31 teams. How do you have that much and not any one of them have anything that you could have put out this year other than Obsidian? Yeah. And Obsidian was because they had small games that one was in early access in like 2019. So that had been development for a while. It could come out of early access at any point. And then Pentiment, which was announced that this year and came out. That's a small thing. Like at the very least, Obsidian delivered them something, but anywhere else? That's what to me like bothers my mind now, and, and, and kind of like one of the, the one of the big areas where I feared uh, about Microsoft continuing wanting to acquire studios. I'm like, you're not showing you're nurturing them well. Having that many, you should be putting out more games than Sony. You should have, like you should. That's how many. That's how many studios you have. So that was a big like that was a big shock to the system to me. I was like, wow. I was like. I was because I was getting ready to buy an Xbox. And fun, funny enough, I still bought an Xbox because the price was the price was just right. But it really dampened it dampened my excitement. I was playing Elder Scrolls Oblivion around that time, kind of like working my way through the old Bethesda games and, and lead up to Starfield, and that completely got sidetracked for me. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna wait." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now this one, Paul. Uh, this has grown in steam for me from where we first saw it. Uh, this was at the eve of the showcases for the summer. Sony came in with a state of play that we had just had. I didn't even put it here. We had got a state of play in March early on that that's where we got the Exo Primal Capcom game. And that's when uh, Diofield Chronicles and Valkyrie Leeson were released. But then as a state of play, we're like, what is they doing? Like this state of plays are not that great. Kind of suck. And then... Uh, I came in with this low expectation. I was like, "It's a showcase. We're gonna watch. Everyone's watching it. Let's watch it." Because it's like, even if they're even if they're bad, everyone's like make, makes an appointment to see this one. But I came in with low expectations and wild exceeded. Like it opened with the Resident Evil 4 remake. We got to see more of the Street Fighter 6. Our first look at Callisto Protocol was here. The Final Fantasy 16 
uh, one of the extended trailer for Final Fantasy 16 that promised a summer 2023 release happened here. I was like, wow, that was like, I was not expecting to put all those bangers here. I would have expected those in a showcase. Then we turn out to know that apparently now we only are only going to get state of plays then. Because then the one we got in September was also pretty good. I was like, that's two good ones in a row. Are they, is this them finally being like, no more showcases now like care about state of plays? Who knows, but I really like that one. And uh, the next one I didn't, Summer Game Fest. Uh, yeah, this one, yeah, one you said you liked. I, you're on record saying that you like that. Yep. Those two hours were only like 10 minutes of those where we got the gameplay for Modern Warfare 2 and Callisto Protocol and then nothing else. That's why I was like, how is that a great show? <laughs> it's, uh, and now when you guys are so starved for uh -huh. content, maybe. Um, I don't even remember it all that well, but from what I do remember, it was like... The big closer was Last of Us Part 1, remember? That was like yeah, the big like that was already mic drop. Uh-huh. Especially in comparison to the state of play, um, mm -hmm. it, it just blew it out of the water for sure. Especially in the smaller, I always kept saying, like, just the content in the small amount of time the state of play had was like, if that content had been in, in, in Summer Game Fest, not state of play, that Summer Game Fest would have been better. State of play came in kind of like with a sledgehammer and kneecapped Summer Game Fest because then they, uh, they didn't have any other content. Because I was like, oh yeah, here's more Street Fighter. Now you're getting the uncut gameplay from Callisto Protocol. Now you're getting the uncut gameplay of Modern Warfare. And now we're not showing any gameplay. Just a bunch of re-reveals of other stuff with still no release dates. And the big mic drop was uh, Last of Us Part 1. And we're like, you don't close your show with a remake of a nine-year-old game. You just don't. So, but he learned. He, he took his calls and he learned. But oh, and because yeah. we know that ONL and Game Awards were so much better afterwards. At least so. Jeff Keighley is one of those few people that'll admit that he like made missteps and mm -hmm. actually learns from them rather than like try to pretend it was in the cards the whole time or something weird like that. Mm -hmm. or some people just have too much pride. He's just like, yep, that wasn't really that great. Mm -hmm. I'll make sure it's good next time. And then boy, does he freaking deliver each time. He just kind of learns from one of those mistakes. And mm -hmm. I mean, as we saw the game awards, Homeboy just freaking crushed it. Yeah, Homeboy delivered at E3 Cal showcase in December which is the first time he's ever done that like with in legit legitimacy but around that time we also got the Microsoft showcase that had extra pressure because of the delays would be like okay Microsoft what are you doing why are you uh you lost your two big exclusives do you have anything in the can and then they basically said we're initiating this new initiative where every e3 we're gonna give you everything you're gonna get in a 12 month period which in a way I'm like that's a cool idea because at least you know that everything is in within a year's time. But by doing that, they took an L in 2022 because in during during that time, it was like, yeah, Plague Tale Requiem gonna launch right here, which was a great game from this year. Good get for them. Uh, but then that's a, around that time it was like High on Life, As Dust Falls, Pentiment. That was their big the, the big thing. So it's like, if you care about the little things, it was like, uh, yeah, you have there, but other than that, you have nothing. That's why. That, that was a big like disappointment about that conference, but they had great content and the first look at Starfield was great. I do remember seeing the gameplay of that. Now. You legit said in our chat, I hate not having an Xbox right now looking and at that. Now, I... now you did. And that tells you it's like why they need those kinds of games, because that's yeah. how you're gonna drive people into getting that. And they had the advantage of having the Xbox Series S, such a cheap entry point to play those games. So 
So that was like, that's why I took the plunge after that. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna get it. And I found it on a sale. I, I got mine for 269. You got yours for 249. So yeah. I got mine during the summer. You got this recently on Black Friday. So it's like, in a way, they succeeded in a certain in a certain area. And Diablo 4 was showcased there in gameplay and it looked phenomenal. So that's why like when they announced the release date on for June 6 on the Game Awards, I was like, yep. How it looked at how that game looked at the Microsoft Showcase, I'm totally in. So but yeah, it was like, it was sad that it was like they try to like cushion their big blow for 2022 by being like, don't worry, it's like wait for the first half of 2023 because now it's like that's now the big period. But a lot of people are feeling a little incensed right now with them doing that because uh with Game Awards coming in and them showing nothing, they were like, guys, it's like there's there's nothing wrong with promising us something at least, knowing all the things you had. Show something. So Around that time, Square Enix also had a, a tiny showcase, and they gave you Crisis Core Reunion. And I remember I, uh, you you didn't watch that. I was watching it, and then when I saw it, I texted you. You mentioned you it. You popped. And what? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? And I was like, this... I immediately looked up the trailer for it. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking at it right now because I want to see, like, uh -huh. how that reveal trailer went. Mm -hmm. And I'm just remembering how ridiculously excited i was to see all of that stuff opening up with the cg uh cinematic from the end of the game and mm -hmm. then just cutting through all of my favorite moments and it just it looked and felt exactly how i imagined it mm -hmm. was back in the day which have since gone back to look at how the psp version originally looked in gameplay and in the cinematics mm -hmm. and some of it does not add up <laughs> but Oh, wait, oh. I messed up. <laughs> I lost on. you now. <laughs> I'm here yes. again. Okay. <laughs> I hit the space bar to pause the, the video. Oh, and oh, I, I guess, I, I guess space bar is there. turns <laughs> off my camera. So anyway, um, yeah, I, gosh, I remember being so ridiculously excited about all that. I was so pissed we didn't do a reacts for that. I was so, and deservedly so. We know what happened the last time Square Enix had a showcase the year before. Yeah. It's it just gave, such a toss-up. Yeah, it gave me something that I tore to you for an entire year. We didn't even put it here. Stranger of Paradise released and it was good. <laughs> that was... What a shocker that was. Yeah, it's shocker. <laughs> so, but it was like... that was, Because I was like, man, if I would have loved to have seen that previous showcase and gotten your live reactions to Str the Stranger of Paradise Chaos trailer, I would have absolutely loved seeing your, like, actual reaction to this. Having known, like, just... An episode or two before we this happened, we did a, one of my, my favorite episodes of this year called "The Games That Made Us," and you mentioned Crisis Core was your favorite PSP game yep. of all time. Easy. And, I, and now seeing that the remake that came out yesterday has such a, it's so like faithful as you can say, like, yeah. and uh, it has a PSP ness to it. Mm, yes. <laughs> so, <Bad>. and you, <laughs> you <Bad>. mentioned that. <laughs> But it's like, I'm just glad that it was like, it's a great archaeological dive into like how that game used to be, but it looks like something that you play right now. And also at the time, like they announced uh, Remake Part 2, which they eliminated the name Remake, and now it's just called Rebirth. Yeah. And they announced that it's going to be a three-parter. And all of them are going to have their R's, as we know with the reunion. All the R's. Yeah, and Capcom also had a little showcase to show a little bit more of Resident Evil uh, 4. Like, slightly more. They, they showed more way later at, at their showcase. But the big one there was that Dragon's Dogma 2 was coming back. And I saw the internet lose their freaking shit out of this. I was like, yeah, it's like, that's crazy. Because there's only been one Dragon's Dogma back in 2012. 
but people have been wanting it. And the guy that made DMC5 is, is directing it, like he did uh, Dragon's Dogma 1, so people know that that sequel was in good hands, but I can't wait to see more. I had Dragon's Dogma Darker Recent installed on my PS4, I haven't touched it. I intended to be like, oh, one day, one day, one day I'll go back to you like I do a bunch of stuff. This is one of my favorite memories, Paul. That's happened around uh, afterwards. Do you remember the God of War Ragnarok release date drama? I think so. Oh God, it was, was that, like that was like the trailer that didn't show it, right? Yeah. So how it went was when Summer Game Fest came, and we heard nothing from Ragnarok. We we're like, oh God, we think it's gonna get delayed. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Jason Schreier reported, no, it's not delayed. And then uh, the Snitch account, remember the Snitch from Twitter? Oh. It mentioned yeah. that to look forward to something happening in like June thirtieth. And we were recording the day before June 30, thinking that that could be that, that that release date could happen. And then kind of Corey Barlog came in ahead of it after we had recorded, be like, "Hey, don't be disappointed. Things don't happen that we haven't announced." And then June 30 happened, and it didn't happen, and it, it, it didn't come out. Then the week after, and July 6, that's when they dropped that 30 second trailer that was like, "Yeah, God of War Ragnarok releasing on November 9, 2022." Oh. <laughs> and even then, was like. I was skeptical. I was like, yeah, we finally got the release date. How soon before the, uh, before the delay? My my road with God of War Ragnarok this year has been interesting. Remember, it was like, it wasn't even my top one most anticipated game of the year. I kept being skeptical. I convinced you to finally go back to God of War 2018 this year, and you finally saw that what I saw in that game after you only had your memory of your first time going through it. Yep. And uh, then we finally got the... Uh, the other uh, trailer, the great one, at the State of Play in September. The one that had all the Japanese games, and then it ended with that one. Yeah. That ended with, like, the uh, the Thor and, uh, and 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 Kratos, like, slamming their things at the end. Gosh, and then a week and, and, and then a week later, we got the game gone gold. I was like, I can breathe a sigh of relief now. The game's actually coming out when they said it's coming out. <laughs> you were uh, being so careful that whole time. And, oh, yeah. Uh, God of War 2018 is my second favorite game of all time. I needed to be careful. <laughs> so, I'm glad that it ended up working out for you, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially what a great game it was. Best game of the year. Uh, former Naughty Dog director Bruce Traley creates new studio Wildflower Interactive. This was this one was funny that it happened around the time that I was uh, replaying Uncharted, remember? And I was talking about Uncharted 2, and around that time, the director of Uncharted 2 opens this studio. I was like, hey... He's back in development because he has been in retirement for like five years. And he said so many things that made you so happy about like trying to look at, look beyond photorealism and for trying to find the fun in games and all that. And you're like, yeah. it feels like a direct like direct shot at like the approach that Naughty Dog is currently doing with like dark, ready photorealism. So, and uh, and he has like people that worked on Kina Breach of Spirits and all that. So you know that he's like hiring that kind of talent and I can't wait to see it to to hear his game this one this other headline was really sad the Koto remake Paul that they want to show it to LucasArts to, 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 to Lucasfilm and Sony and then they the con the, the game designer and the art designer got fired like effective immediately delaying the project basically indefinitely and to me I like calling it it just basically killed the project and that made me so sad, so so sad, because this was the thing that opened the last showcase for PlayStation. Remember, a PS5 exclusive Kotor remake. Ah, uh, 
I I want KOTOR Remake so bad. Yeah. And, uh... They say that it's been moved over to Saber Interactive now. The thing is that, will it have the passion of the people that were working at it? Even though the other ones that didn't have the talent. Uh, trying to not think about it, but I don't really have a lot of high hopes for it personally. No, especially because the other ones that this probably got taken away from Aspire, they were the ones that made the executive decision of wanting to remake this game. So knowing that that happened and someone else got it made it really sad. And I was like, man, because I was holding off and trying to replay because I have we're sharing account. I have Kotor one and two on Xbox, like as as they are with a little uprest, but they're the Xbox versions of those games. So I'm like. Uh, I guess I, if I really wanted to experience this story, I will have to play those old games. Staying on the Embracer group, because that was also in the Embracer group. They Do deserved somebody to be staying on them, because mm -hmm. gotta watch these suckers like a hawk with the crap that they're pulling. Oh yeah, because uh, Aspire is part of the Embracer group, and this Embracer group, that one night in like July or August, remember that we were like a night and they were releasing like 10, 12 press releases where they acquired a million different things. Like... Um, limited run games, Tripwire Interactive, and all of that, and then the big one, they acquired the Lord of the Rings IP. And mentioned how they were, like, acquiring it, and they wanted to do, like, individual movies with, like, individual characters also. Literally, after we had recorded that episode where we heard that the Private Division was working with Weta Workshop to do a Lord of the Rings game, and we are talking, like, man, the Lord of the Rings IP is one that hasn't been like in use so much there is it's weird how restrained it has been and then we got that news immediately we're like wow we spoke out of turn <laughs> oh man and to me knowing how they've embraced like how the embracer group has handled things makes me more, more worried now after what happened with saints row and they announced that uh volition is not going to be become part of gearbox in like a restructuring basically killing volition <laughs> so the same way that Bikai vicarious visions got killed that sucked and uh, this one is pretty special for us, Paul, the Destiny 2 Lightfall Showcase. We reacted to that one. And it's our most watched video. Still to this day. about that, but glad that the algorithm really liked it for some reason. Yeah, it's so strange how that happened, right? That was the one that it latched on. Yep. And uh, I'm just fearful that Destiny content is what the algorithm is going to be feeding to people more than other stuff because that has been always our most watched stuff. The Wish Queen reveal last year also had a lot of views. So August is always good for us because Gamescom opening night live happened literally the day after. Or no, that that same day happened. We watched the 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 Lightfall showcase and then we saw opening night live and improved on the, it, it improved on Summer Game Fest. That's what we're talking about. That Keely. Took it, took its, uh, licked its wounds on Summer Game Fest, and he delivered a great showcase that gave us a lot of dates. That's where we got a uh, Gotham Knights release date, the Sonic Frontiers release date, Dying Light, uh, Dying Light, no, uh, Dead Island 2 got revealed there, which was one of the rare times that PJ leaked that for us early on. We're like, wait, Dead, Dead Island 2 exists, but that was kind of funny. That's the only time that he actually kept up with that one. Yeah. And, uh, but I will say, like, I don't remember other stuff that happened there. Maybe, like, the Everywhere game from the Rockstar developer. I remember that they had that controversy that was an NFT thing, but it wasn't really. Right. But I remember really enjoying opening uh, Night Live. I was like, this feels like a much better show what I want out of what Keeley does. Of course, he blew it out of the water with Game Awards. This one, Paul, is the saltiest story for me. The blue balls of Wind Waker Twilight Princess on Switch. I'll never forget, the week before the, the Direct was announced, that we got reputable sources saying, we have heard that 
the, the, the next Nintendo Direct is gonna be a Zelda blowout, and Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are gonna be there. This Direct is at 7 in the morning. 7 in the freaking morning that Monday. You and I, Paul, we woke up early to like react, to have like these games that we've been wanting for so long. I was hoping so much that that would give me the energy for the day. Because uh, boy, if it did, that would have been just yeah. the perfect day. Instead, it killed our energy for that. I was like, remember how salty I was for the rest of that day? Yep. And I thankfully, the state of play that happened that same day that gave us the God of War Ragnarok, like, amazing trailer. That helped me like redeem that day because I was like, I, I was grumpy the rest of the day. I was like drinking coffee. I was like so pissed off, like legit pissed off that the one time we wanted to do like a live react to a direct that early, we didn't get what we wanted to the point that we were so disappointed with it that Tears of the Kingdom was revealed there, like the title and, and we giving were us a date. Still disappointed. Yeah, I was like, because we we came in with those expectations. We, if they hadn't told us that. I could have totally just woken up, watched the BOD later, and see that. I would have been really hyped of seeing, yes, Bre uh, Breath of the Wild 2 sequel now has its title. It's not no longer had to have the name Breath of the Wild. And now we know when it's coming out. So, again, it's like, yeah, the, the re like, Jeff Grubb failed us there. And he had been really good at everything else, but when it comes to Nintendo stuff, like, his credibility took a tumble there. Yeah. yeah but he got Jedi Survivor correct. <laughs> so. And so, I'll, I'll take that any day, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I'll just I'll sit back and be like, man, I could have had Wind Waker. <laughs> it, that's still like I feel like that's why I'm like I look at the great year Nintendo has. I'm like, objectively, you got you got a great year, but Nintendo, fuck you. That, I, that's why I'm always like feeling like that. It's uh, I just kind of picture it as making this short video when they finally release Wind Waker. It's gonna be me just beating the crap out of Nintendo and the personification uh -huh. of it and uh -huh. throwing $60 at it, oh, taking yeah. the game and walking away. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just like, I I just want one Waker modernly, Paul. I just want it. I hate that it's stuck on Wii U when they brought everything else. That's what pains me. It's like, I know they're like bringing literally older freaking catalog from that failed console into the Switch. And th that's still there. So... Oh man, I just I can't wait to for us to get to Tears of the Kingdom, and eventually they're gonna have a Zelda something else, and maybe that's when we will get it. But that's always my eternal hope, eternal hope for them. Uh, around this time, EA announced an Iron Man game from EA Motive. Remember that? I was like, we had that conversation that you loved the Iron Man game on 360, and I told you that is oh, the worst yeah. game that I played in that generation. And then I was like. Am I crazy? Or like I was, I was not sure about that one. But I, yeah. I just remember how much fun that I had with it at the time, and I just, mm -hmm. I want another Iron Man game because it means that we're gonna have flying in a video game, uh -huh. which feels like that just seems like such a tall order to have. Yeah, because people can't find a way to make flying fun. That's what that's what like, like to challenge people just because you're floating. That's why grappling hooks work because you have like a little bit of challenge too. Use basics and all that, and other ones, you're just floating. But you have your Iron Man game, Paul, it's called Anthem. <laughs> Which I bet you they're gonna use that technology. Because it's from EA. EA Anthem sub. <laughs> I, I, the flying for Anthem felt okay, I guess. No, it was good. It was the best part of that oh, game. The yeah. rest of that game sucked. So, But that was uh, followed up with that three-game partnership announcement they had with Marvel. Which we had heard that there were rumblings that... Black Panther was another game that they were working on, which was weird because then we got that Captain America Black Panther game from the Skydance thing. But 
now we knew that they were like, yeah, uh, EA got out of its Star Wars deal, and now they got a new deal with Marvel. But it's different because it's not an exclusive deal. I'd rather that, that for more people to work on the IP than just one, because they squandered it so bad with Star Wars. Yeah, then, oh man, do you remember when PlayStation Model is Future, when they said that... Well, well, we heard that allegedly they're planning a Horizon Zero Dawn remake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I... Gosh, why is that a thing? Um, but... I hate it. I still hate that idea. I'm like... Just knowing that the Horizon Zero Dawn exists on PS5 currently at 60 frames, and it looks good. It looks better than, than most, most games. other games. Yeah, and like... It just made me sad of like, oh man, PlayStation is really going to be wasting a lot of resources in just bringing back its catalog instead of investing on new stuff. That's why it modeled its future. And it was part of the reasons that it was creating all the apathy we were feeling towards PlayStation outside of the games that they were releasing that year. Because it's like the moves that they were making just feel so money grabby, very safe, and not like someone wanting to like have it that has the wherewithal to experiment. So that was one of the worst stories for PlayStation that. Even though they haven't officially revealed it, so many reputable sources that I really trust in this one have heard the same. That I'm like, Last of Us Part 1 should have told us a tale, basically, for that one. And uh, then this one was exciting for you. CD Projekt Red outlined a 10-year future for The Witcher and Cyberpunk 2077. This happening around the time that Cyberpunk 2077 researched with the Edge Runners anime. One of the greatest comeback stories I've seen. What a good day that was. Mm-hmm. When, oh man, because I was... I think I remember watching the trailer was like, okay, that looks kind of cool, but I don't know how big on it I'm going to be. I remember we talked about the trailer briefly uh-huh. and then uh, I tried it and like burned through half the, the series in like a day or something. Yeah. And then it was like, I need to go play the game. I got to go play the game. And then they, you and, you and a million, you and a million people because uh, yeah. when cyberpunk uh, next generation launched in February, barely a blip because it launched at the worst possible moment. But then that anime came, and then I was like, oh yeah, the, the next-gen version, the good versions of that game are now finally released, and that came out, and the way that came, kept, game kept climbing in the Steam charts, and knowing that that was happening also with over on Xbox and PlayStation, I'm like, yeah, that's a, this is their No Man's Sky moment. This is the moment where finally, like, after they got burned, rightfully so, over, that re- of the, over the initial release of that game, now it's at a state where... Now with the Phantom what, Phantom Liberty uh, expansion really uh, announced, and the pop that got at the Game Awards, it's like yeah, it's like they did it like like many other games in the, the past generation. City Project Red managed to do that, and apparently Witcher 3 and PC is a disaster currently, but the PS5 and Xbox versions of that of the Witcher 3 next gen versions are really good. So <laughs> I'll take that as much as I can because the <laughs> PC people keep thinking that they're better than everyone else. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna take this console. Win. That's that's two L's this month. Dubs, baby. The, um, that that's yeah. two two L's. Cyrus uh, Callisto Protocol, and now that. <laughs> oh yeah, PC Master Race. What a great place to always play, right, Paul? Oh yeah, all having to having, having having to download drivers, having to buy like thousand dollar graphic cards to keep up. Yep. I stay with my pets as a peasant with the consoles. Uh, <sighs> also around this time, Paul, uh, Konami officially revived Silent Hill with that Silent Hill showcase. That announced the Silent Hill 2 remake, the Annapurna game. Uh, they announced another movie and another weird game that's like uh, very uh, based on like a manga. This to me was only notable that it finally this could put the a stake in the heart of any of the people that were still holding on to the abandoned bullshit from the previous year, and uh, 
And on top of that, he confirmed the report that it was like, Konami's planning to revive a bunch of series. This was the first domino. So he's like, okay, if Silent Hill already happened, then the Castlevania and Metal Gear revivals are absolutely coming. And Castlevania, we already got something. The return to Castlevania for Dead Souls. So that's when, how we know that those dominoes keep, like, dropping. Yeah, I, um... We don't care about Silent Hill. Yeah, we don't. I wish I cared more about it, but at the same time, I feel like it's really protected me mm-hmm. <laughs> with everything going on, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then uh, the final two of the big ones, like God of War Ragnarok officially released, like when it said it was going to come out. And it was both the second highest rated game of the year and Sony's most successful first party game from the jump, selling 5.1 million copies in, in the first week. Like overtaking Spider-Man 2018, Last of Us Part 2, and even Ghost of Tsushima, and uh, and, Hor- and Horizon Zero Dawn. I was like, it's crazy how like well Ragnarok landed. Even though right now, like I feel like there's been more dissent thrown at Ragnarok, more like more more contrariness in that than I ever saw from 2018. But it's still like a big success for Sony. In a way that had Sony kept their fucking mouth shut and just let their game speak this year. This would have been like a nice end cap for like a great release calendar That's for them. That's just it. They kind of kept their mouth shut in every other way, didn't they? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They kept. They they definitely kept their mouth shut with God of War. It's it's so funny how much they kept their mouth shut. And I wonder if that's their strategy. They try to like let's try to undermarket this this game as much as we can, like way less than they did Horizon Forbidden West. Because Horizon Forbidden West, like coming out around Elden Ring, a lot of people really love to like crap on that game. They were like. Try to use it like as a barometer of trying to attack game, open world game design compared to Elden Ring and all that. And I feel in a very unnecessary way. I feel you could have used something like Assassin's Creed Valhalla to attack like modern modern Ubisoft uh, open world style checklist games more than Horizon. Horizon is way better than that. Uh, but it was then. But then Sony was like, yeah, let's undermarket it. And that's why a lot of people were like, this is just gonna be DLC. It's not gonna be that big. It's like not gonna be that better. And Ragnarok is like. 2018 is still my f- second favorite game of all time, but I feel God of War Ragnarok is a much better game. I, still. yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, you see, that's it. It, I change my answer like every day, frankly. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> um, what? What do you think? 2018 is better? No. That that and that's the thing. Like 2018 is more impactful for me because of what it meant for me. But looking at it from like an objective lens, like. Other than pacing, God of War Ragnarok is a better game than 2018. Yeah, yeah, okay. Like, uh, and uh, maybe in replay, I'll feel different because I haven't replayed it yet. Uh, but uh, just the experience, like I cried with that game. I legit cried with with, with Ragnarok. It was like it was it's this oh, is yeah. this year's most uh, most impactful. I can't lie, story. they kind of did a cheap shot right in the early part, so yeah. they got the the easy cry from me. But it's more of the later ones. The later one, the later oh, parts yeah. of that game, like uh, uh, to greet hand on the shoulder. Uh, the hand on the shoulder and, 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 shouldn't make me cry so much. Dang it! To have grieved is to have loved deeply. Paul. Yes. Come on, like like the goodbyes. Come on, it's like God of War. Just it's like all the praises it got for its story oh, totally deserved. Yeah. It's like that that game like landed for me. Like in a way I never expected it was gonna land, and it's in such a hopeful like wholesome way. Absolutely. Like the antithesis of The Last of Us Part Two. 
like very it much. Tot- it, it, now, it, if it's if it's a question between any of got any part of God of War and all of Last of Us, it's God of War all the way. I always say God of War is better, <laughs> just on principle, but also objectively, hmm. I feel like it's better. Oh yes, which is subjective, but I don't care. Yeah, and then the Game Awards, like the the final headline for the for this year, big one was that they delivered their best show ever, announcing big bangers like Armor Core Six, Hades Two, and Death Stranding Two, and also big games getting big dates like Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Diablo. Uh, uh, Diablo 4 and Final Fantasy 16, solidifying a, an, an amazing start to 2023. I tell Absolutely. you, and and that was and that was it, Paul. That was 2022. That was such a freaking what a journey. <laughs> was there any of these that you were like, oh yeah, that happened? As I was reading it, uh, oh, like half of this freaking list. What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, I forgot like the Kingdom Hearts thing. I forgot about uh, even the fact that Unreal Engine Five was announced this year. Uh, officially revealed. Uh, officially, yeah, officially, officially uh, like released. The, the Matrix thing. Yeah. Um, that was last year. That, oh, that was last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then everything else about Un- uh, Unreal Engine Five and mm-hmm. all the other stuff. The oh my gosh, the fact that February even happened, that was this year I'm just like, yeah, that was last year, right? that was, that yeah. was and also not uh, gaming but in February we got the slap at the Oscars yeah, so, honestly, I just kind of want to like forget about that at this point, because yeah. it's like I feel like so many people blew it out of the proportion for what it ended up really being and now i'm like hey guys we got like a war going on over there we got some higher priorities to worry yeah. about <laughs> can uh, you believe that happened the, the oscars was that and then we got the war at ukraine and russia yep because i forgot to mention it that's why like xbox's year looked worse because they had other exclusives like stalker and uh replaced. and uh the release and the game pass release of atomic heart and replaced yeah that got pushed out because of that so they also got screwed by other stuff that's so sad for them <laughs> so like part of it there was there's a couple things that were just like i i don't want to be too rude about it mm-hmm. because like there were a few things that were beyond their circumstances yeah at the same time it's it's just so much crap going on i can't wait for next year boy because yeah. this train ain't stopping yeah can, can you can, just imagine we start 2023 and another massive acquisition happens just just i just never expected that year was gonna start with that kind of bomb and we had literally just recorded our most anticipated games of 2022 episode to be like let's see what happens and literally the day after that dropped i was like wow we, we spoke out of turn but uh man 2023 is gonna be wild it's definitely i can't can't wait like when we do most anticipated for 2022 my list is gonna look crazy i tell you this it sounds like a dream <laughs> I, I truly can't believe it. It's gonna uh, be a it's, it's gonna be a list that's gonna include Final Fantasy 16, Starfield, Zelda, Spider-Man 2, uh, Star Wars, uh, Jedi Survivor, uh, Diablo. Like just thinking, I just trying to think. Pierce, I like, was my most anticipated without even knowing what else could even come out. Man, yep. that's ah oh, man. But until then, Paul, we rest. That we do. We did 50 episodes in a row. Crazy. I. You took vacations, I didn't. That's what's so funny. I I took like two weeks because of a hurricane. All right. <laughs> that wasn't this year. Oh, that was last gosh, year. That's right. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what What did I take off? I was in vacation. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll take. I'll say I took a week off at least. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um. Yeah. My first official vacation is coming up now on the twenty third. Yep. That's gonna be like I, I need. I, I absolutely need it. But it's crazy it's been that a I've, long time. Too. Yeah. 
I did all 50, like, all in, all this in a row. That's crazy, but... You trucked through. Yeah, but we, we grew our audience thanks to that consistency. Remember when we were, like, at barely cracking 300, and now we're, like, about 1,000 just in audio? Yep. Before we f f fulfilled Those the audio years, listeners, so. got a lot of them. And uh, what was it? Like, our top country is Russia or something? <laughs> no, that was for my website. Oh, that was your website. Yes. Okay. It's so uh, funny that that Russia found my website. <laughs> but yeah. thank thank you, Russia. You enabled the uh, AdSense in my site. So <laughs> that is true. So. Oh yeah, and I, I started. And I, got, I became a contributor for Season Gaming this year. Also, that that's a whole thing. We didn't yeah. even mention that. Yeah, because it was not the headlines, but uh, yeah, I would say that was a big headline. And my uh, my favorite episodes we recorded this year were actually the evergreen ones. The games that made us episode 53 and episode 78 and 79, the God of War Ragnarok spoiler cast and the definitive ranking of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Those were fun. Those were fun. And, uh, and nice uh, uh, an honorable mention to Microsoft Chooses Violence acquires Activision Blizzard for which we recorded to like what a unpack wild it. What that was. Yeah. Well, I told you that my groin was bursting at the seams. I wanted to say... Yeah, it's such a... <laughs> nasty image i don't know why you do that and this year i saw berserk also fall oh man <laughs> at least i have some kind of hope uh and catharsis in the fact that you went and read about what the, the series I is it. actually about i needed it because that. imagine if my final final image was yep. that yep. that yep. meme yep. that meme that i showed you and then you sent me the uh the uh, Veggie Tales, like what was the Veggie Tales being called? I think uh, I don't even know. It's like Larry the Cucumber looks uh -huh. at the camera or something weird like that, <laughs> and uh, um, it's just such a disappointed look from Larry the Cucumber of all people. That just makes me like this is a perfect, very specific emotion uh -huh. that I love to use every once in a while. <laughs> oh yeah, especially the few times I used it this year have been have been on point. Like, not much, like, Newspaper Tom meme. That was the 2021 thing. That's that's a good one, but uh, I've tried to branch out a little bit. Oh, yes. Well, you'll find funner memes. I'll also find other fun memes. I just can't wait oh, to see what uh, 2023 brings to us. And uh, we'll definitely come back in uh, January. I'm still, like, uh, debating when in January. Uh, probably on January 12th, Paul. Mark it, mark it up. January 12th. Well, mm -hmm. let's take a look. Yeah, it's a Thursday. All right. Cool. Yeah, so the X button will return with a new season. Season three. A new year. The X button will return in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see what happens until I return, Paul. So yeah. enjoy finish up the games. Make sure you have completed games for your top ten this time. I've got a few of them. You have, right? you have now. I've but... done better this year than yeah, last year. Because I definitely like, whipped you into making sure that doesn't happen again. <laughs> certainly shame the crap out of me, that's for sure. But also, we talked about it. That was a really bad release year last mm -hmm. year. We have a lot of stuff to choose from this time, and uh, I'm really I'm really hoping that we got some good stuff. We'll have some good discussions, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. 2023 is going to be wild, I, I feel, especially for gaming. It feels like now, like, three years removed from the pandemic, I feel we're finally going to go back to, like, at least in gaming, more of normalcy of what used to be very exciting in... 2020 uh, like before 2020 so but until then i'm gonna play a few of the last games because i have to uh, crisis core re uh, game to, to review before i go on vacation and uh i'm just excited like that that witcher 3 paul i tell you it looks modern it looks like a game that came out right now 
and I'm like, I think that's what I'm gonna end up playing after I finish Crisis Core and just put everything else on the back burner. That's I, that's kind of what I want to play for the holiday. Also, The Witcher Three is looking, despite that and Midnight Suns are gonna be like the two that I, Midnight Suns is the last game from this year that I really want to give like a fresh shake. Other ones I'm yeah. just, I let go. That sorry, Dying Light. Sorry, Ghostwired. Sorry. Uh, whatever yeah, else some of those got to be casualties of this war mm -hmm. um but i like there's a couple i'm like i really want to go back one day and finish ghostwire tokyo because that's such a creative and interesting game mm -hmm. and a lot of them were and we didn't give them enough time because there's just not enough time but um that's and, and, and my thing process. was that not only that i had the time this year i just didn't want to play them i was more compelled in going back to other stuff Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's part of the whole thing, though, isn't it? Because it's like when you revisit something, you might get something new out of it. So mm -hmm. it's just as valid as trying to play something new. So that's that's a message to everybody right there. Quote me on that one. Yeah, remember, like, how much like you rediscovered, like, you found a lot that wasn't there for Assassin's Creed Origins? Yeah. Um, the, yeah, that whole series, um, going back to play, shoot, what was the other thing? that uh, God of War 2018. Mm -hmm. um, everything that I replayed, I loved more. Cry uh, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, even though I, I did enjoy it, now I like even way more love it. Um, so yeah, it just always takes some extra time to go back to a game that you didn't really give a good shot at. Mm, but yeah, because any other uh, final thoughts that you have for this year? Yes, I'm glad it's over. Glad it's over. We can finally rest and uh, can't wait to go on vacation, play other games, and see what 2023 brings for us. It's always a pleasure, always doing this with you, Paul. And uh, can't wait to see what else, especially as you're going to be doing some moves also in your life. I am going to be doing some moves, um, metaphorical and potentially physical, uh -huh. uh, because that. Uh, yeah, so the the short version is I might be getting a new job that's going to mm -hmm. give me a little bit more possible flexibility and it's going to make me go somewhere else. Yes. But at least you can catch me here, same bat time, same bat channel. Oh, yeah. It is uh, the, the beauty of recording remotely. All the changes can happen, but we can still be here. And I'm hoping uh, we see continued growth with the X button. Now that we saw that uh, yeah. without any advertising, we grew the show to more than a thousand viewers, like just naturally. So, yeah, we know there's a I, few, uh, there's a small audience there that's, I believe, is, can slowly grow. Shout so. out to our Destiny clan that sometimes checks in on us too. Yes, that was the, this was the year honest. that, this was the year our, our clan grew. Because remember we started the clan last year. Yeah, and there was only like 10 to 12 to 20 yeah. of them. And then now there's like a max of 100 and just yeah. so many. And so. we have to continue the Deepstone Crypt raid from yesterday. Yeah, so I hope that comes in tonight and that everybody gets on for it. Yeah, I, I tell you, we will have that done in less than an hour. Where we That's are, what I think, where we are now. We already got that third encounter done, and then there's just the last one, and that'll be it. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely like dungeons far more than raids. It's because of the time commitment. But... Oh yeah, so much. And with that, anyway. Paul, curtain call for 2022. What a interesting year. Everyone else, now that uh, this is the last episode right before the holidays enjoy christmas enjoy time with your family uh don't be naughty and uh stay safe stay healthy and remember press x to play good night everybody hasta el próximo año